Well, we're excited about what's coming up in this Unsettled Life series. Again, Justin's team has pulled all this together, all these boxes, all this information. How many of you guys would actually sign up for something to watch yourself? Does anybody like watching themselves on video? I don't either. This stinks for me through spiritual growth campaigns, but we'll see how this goes. No, we, um, it's going to be exciting. Glad you guys um, would be even contemplating to join in on this. We're going to be uh, talking about a lot of this as we launch into this. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be discussing this unsettled life, this idea that, hey, look, a lot of us have figured out ways to settle down in our spirituality. A lot of us have settled down in the different spiritual disciplines. We're just not moving forward. And for whatever reason that is, we're going to challenge ourselves to move forward. And so we want to encourage encourage you guys to get to become part of this upcoming spiritual growth season. Um, we all want to take these seasons seriously, and so we'll talk a lot about that today, especially as we do what we always do at the beginning, is we launch into this with a call to community and a call to joining together for focusing in these next six weeks. And so that's what we're going to do. Before we do any of that, let's pray, and let's ask God's blessing on this time. Father, we thank you that you've given us your son, Jesus, who has died upon the cross to bear our sins, rose from the dead to give us life, and you gave us the the Spirit of God, so we don't have to stay in our sin, but we get an opportunity to grow and move forward. And Lord, as we gather together as a church, we're here to be encouraged to do that, to worship you, and thank you for what you've given us. And I just ask that this morning we would begin to feel motivated to the next step in our spiritual journey with you, that if you've called us forward, that we would step up and move forward. And so ask that you'd open our hearts now to this time, and that you would be exalted in all that goes on. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a couple, about a year and a half ago, actually, my, my family was blessed to get the opportunity to go to Disneyland, which uh, when you have a family of six now is like a thousand dollar venture, if you know what I'm talking about. It's ridiculous and so probably never going to do it again. But the, the opportunity for my family to go came up and my son, Andrew, it was his first time there. And so you, when you have a four-year-old going to Disneyland for the first time, you know what that's like. Everybody remembers their eyes are this big around. They're just like, whoa, everything's huge, amazing. And you enjoy Disneyland differently. And so that whole day is going by. And my son, Jonathan, and Andrew are just like, this is amazing. That is amazing. And they're climbing that thing and getting into that thing and going in that line and riding that ride. And all day long, we went over to Cars Land, came back. I don't know, just all this stuff goes on. We finally sit down, watch Fantasmic. And then Fantasmic kind of launches around the time they normally would be ready to go to bed. And so they're watching Fantasmic. They're amazed by what's going on. It all ends, and all this massive crowd gets up to leave. We all start filing out. My wife and I decide, you know what? This is ridiculous. We're not going to try to fight our way through the crowd. Let's get these kids to go to the bathroom. We'll get in the car in a little bit. And so let's go. So we walked over by Big Thunder Mountain into this hallway next to the Mexican food restaurant. And we stood there to, uh, and I waited as my kids went to the bathroom and came back out. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And my son, Andrew, and Jonathan are standing outside with me while my other kids with my wife are, are, are doing their thing. And, and suddenly, my kids just do like the level 10 meltdown. You know what I'm talking about? Like they're, they're done. It's past bedtime. They have no more energy. And they're just like, and there's like little demons start showing up at Disneyland. I'm like, what is going on here? They're possessed. No, they're exhausted. And they're just crying and weeping and their feet don't work. And they've got the leg drag going. He's like, what is going on? Jonathan literally sits down on the wall and just sits there and suddenly he does this. He's like, well, I'm like, you can't camp at Disneyland. This doesn't work, man. Get up. We got to get, I can't, my leggies hurt. I can't. I'm going, this is not good because I got two of them. They both weigh 50 pounds. 
So I give my backpack to my wife, and I literally do what a good daddy does. This is a daddy moment. I have the test, and I'm just like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So I pick one up. I pick the other one up. I lock my arms together and literally begin doing this, holding them both all the way down Main Street, all the way out the exit, all the way out. People are like giving me birth. You know, there's like moving away. And there's like, move for the guy carrying the kids. You know, it's like, and I get all the way out there. I get to the tram, and I drop them off, and I have my level 10 meltdown. You know, it's just kind of like... It was ridiculous. And, and this is a picture I want you guys to contain in your head. Imagining psycho me carrying a hundred pound kid, you know, a kid walking down the street. Because, you know, some of you have had a year where you are having a level 10 meltdown right now, spiritually speaking. It has been a crazy year. Maybe you've been fighting a disease and you're still fighting it off. Maybe some of you have lost a loved one and it's just been a year of depression and trouble. Maybe you've just been going through fighting off some kind of financial situation or all of the above in some cases. Others of you, you've had one of just those normal American years. Your kids are going to school then they're going to sports and you're going to work and you're getting back from work and you're fighting the wonderful 15 traffic. Whoever thought 15 would have traffic? And suddenly you're in this kind of ridiculous mindset of like, a spiritual life? What is that? It's just never engaged. It's never started. And now you're here. You're wiped out. You're, you're falling asleep. You're doing the head nod on your, on your spiritual growth. The best you can do is get to Sunday mornings. And even that's not every single week. You're kind of picking a week here and a week there. And my question is really centered around this thought. If that's where you're at and you're in that spiritual position, who's surrounding you to pick you up? Where is your community that can help raise you up, that can help talk to you, bring you to that place, move you forward, in a sense, spiritually grab your hand or lift you and walk you down Main Street? Because that's what this is about. When we talk about an unsettled community, I don't want you guys to settle down in your communities and and be cool with what you've got, be cool with just Sundays or just these other things, or just okay with how your your, uh, small group's going right now, whatever the thing's going. No, I want to challenge us this morning, whether you're in small group or not, to consider who is picking you up, who is carrying you forward. And so if we, I want to start with a, a verse. I want to go to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42 through 46. And these are, the, these are the ideal pictures of the church. I want you guys to note that. This is what every pastor and every staff member and every church member should be looking at going, man, I hope one day we can get there. And it's not easy because we're humans and we're messed up people and, and we don't always love as best as we should and all these pieces. But I want us to look at this because there's some key words I want to focus in on this passage. I don't have time to go over the whole passage, but we're going to focus in on the aspect of this. So Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, begins this way. Now, Pentecost is just gone, and thousands of people have come to Jesus Christ, and the gospel is rolling out through Jerusalem. And so it says, and they, meaning the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Ideal picture, beautiful picture. People self-sacrificing for the sake of others. People gathered together in these devotions. And that's where I want to begin because the first call I really want to challenge us to, I'm going to give us three ways from, that I really am asking us not to settle, and, and especially in our community. And the first way is to not settle for just Sunday service community. 
but, but to join a small group, to get engaged in some kind of community group, that this is awesome. I love Sunday mornings. I love worshiping together. I'm, I'm, I'm a weird guy. Ever since I became a Christian, I just don't like missing Sundays. It doesn't matter if I'm out of town. I want to find somewhere to go to church. I want to be with Christians. I want to sing some music. I want to hear a sermon preached. I want to check out what's on the campus. And you're like, yeah, you're a pastor. That's why. No, even before I was a pastor, I was just weird like that. I love Sundays. But... I, my heart brother out there. Yes. So, yeah. But I want us to realize that it's not enough. You can come here. We've got three different services. And you can show up at first service because you're like, hey, you got up on time. Or maybe you have a, you've got a game later, so you want to make sure you get to first service. And later, you're going to go to third. You know, you can't make third. And, but you can miss your community, can't you? They can be at one service, and then, they can, and then people switch to another service. And you're like, sometimes people know your name, and sometimes you are like, you know, you got somebody walks up and says, how long have you been here? And you're just like, uh, 14 years, you know. <laughs> and the reality is that that's just how it works on Sunday morning. It's a large group of people. And in the early church, it wasn't wrong. They had large group gatherings. Look down at verse 46. It says, day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes. These are the two established places that they would meet. And we know earlier in the chapter, it says they would gather in Solomon's portico, which was like the ancient version of a giant easy up. And so you had all of these pillars that were, that were lining with a big roof, and it was an open air portico area to sit down. And, to, um, and what would happen is people would stand in there and preach. And so the apostles would find themselves in there and preach. And the thousands of people who joined the church would gather and listening to the apostles preaching. And the teaching. And they would hear the stories about Jesus and they would promote it and bring other people. This is what's going on amidst the large gathering of the church. But it didn't stay at the large gathering. It also entered in the homes. There was a small gathering. So that the Cheers theme song could be lived out, right? Where everybody knows your name. Because it should be that way in church. There needs to be somewhere where everybody knows your name. They know your problems. They know your struggles. They're praying for you. And the issue here is that this, this is where the small group system should be working. And for many of you, your small group is exactly that place. Somebody knows your name, knows your struggles, knows your problems, is there and connected with you. And so we want to be devoted to these concepts. They were devoted to this idea of fellowship. And it's important because the word devotion is, is, is something that I think I didn't realize I miss oftentimes has an essence of perseverance in it. You have to push, you have to keep going, you have to persist. In fact, the word means to persist in something when it would be easy to quit. That's devotion. When two options show up, you choose it over another because you're devoted. And so when we're devoted to something, it's number one in our option list. It's the thing we keep doing, even though we're wiped out and we don't want to. It's the thing that we persevere in. And so this is, this is true. And, and let me just be honest. What we've seen now, this is our fifth year of doing a spiritual growth campaign and, and, and doing a small group challenge like this. And what we see is people, you guys respond awesomely as all of branch. We launch in, we're like, yeah! We get about 90 some odd percent of the church, the adult church body, joining a small group. And we're like, yeah, we're all in into it. And the second week, yeah, we're all into it. And the third week, we're like, yeah, we're all into it. And the fourth week, it's like, where'd everybody go? The attendance just goes boink. Everybody's like, I got uh, kids at school. Traffic was bad. You know, kids had, um, had these sports things and, and I was getting really tired. And, and it just happens. Life hits. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that we got to watch the excuses when we devote. I'm asking for a devotion to six weeks of this. 
Six weeks in which we can say it is time to grow spiritually. It's time to focus ourselves in. It is time to press ourselves where otherwise we don't normally. And I want to I say that that doesn't just happen at church on Sunday, which we're going to have six different messages here that are not the same as your small group. So to get the whole training and everything that we put together, we want to have you guys involved in both. But that involves a devotion, a persistence, a, keep, a, a, kind of a, a keep on going even when I want to quit. And I guarantee you, you will get a little ways into your small group. You'll get a little ways into community. And many of you will begin to have the enemy work on you. He'll begin to say things like, do you really need to go? I mean, really, is this, is this really that valuable? You feel like all I do is show up anyway. You know, I got freeway brain when I get there. You all know what freeway brain is, right? I'd rather go take a sleep than think. I'm just like, I'm wiped out. I can't even imagine sitting with a bunch of people and talking about this stuff. And these excuses can be there, but I want to challenge you that maybe you need to realize that your presence is a blessing to somebody else. By you being there, you're actually giving yourself to your presence, your time to the other people in the group. And I don't want you to discount that. Uh, The way I want you to think about it is don't rob someone else of the blessing of you. By not showing up, you rob someone else of the blessing of you. Because when you go to a small group, I don't want you just going. Now, it's one thing, don't just settle for Sundays, but don't settle just to show up either to your, to your small group. Join in, get involved, connect. You know, they said they were devoted to, what was the term? Fellowship. You know that word fellowship is in Greek? It's the word koinonia. Say that with me, koinonia. It's, it's a very common term. You're going to hear it a lot. But it's an interesting word. How many of you guys are football fans? Any football fans out there? Woo! Let me hear you. You guys are excited. It is here. It is happening. And you guys are going to enjoy this passivity like nobody else. Passivity? Yes, that's what it is. You're not playing football. You're watching other people play football. And maybe it's a bit of an activity for you. You're like, yeah! Squats. You know, that's like, it's like uh, from the couch up. Yeah, I get it. But this is how we live in a culture we watch. We're passive and we engage passively. I'm not, I'm not making fun of it totally, but the reality is that we enjoy life in a passive role. The problem is small group is not a passive environment. You don't show up, sit down, and wait for Maury Povich to blow up in front of your, in your small group. Oh, that guy has that sin. Whoa, let's see how his wife deals with that. That's not what's going on in a small group. The option, the option that you have is to realize that koinonia is an active word. In fact, later in the Bible, it's translated the word participation. You literally engage. It's a participation. It is an opportunity for you and I to get into an activity because it's active. And maybe we've never thought of our small group as an activity, but that's exactly what it is. You don't show up to be passive and to watch everybody else have small group. You show up not just to watch Greg, Greg, Greg spoke on the DVD. It was really interesting. No, we want to be engaged. We want to join in. We want to talk about this stuff. And yet, there's a problem that occurs for many men in the room, mainly. I don't know too many women who have this problem, but it's, a, it's probably a male disease. We've all heard of arachnophobia. Most men don't really have that. There's xenophobia, and then there's small groupophobia, okay? <laughs> small groupophobia exists when men feel like they're going to show up and be asked, so what is your deepest, darkest secret? Would you please tell the group? And you're like, I'm not going to tell you guys anything. Uh, I'm a quiet guy. I just keep it that way. You don't need to know about my life. I mean, and 
Most men fear that they have to involve and share all of their deepest, darkest heart secrets and go, here I am, and it's wishy-gushy, it's like counseling session. No. That's not what we want out of the small group. When we say participate, when we say join in, let's just put it this way. Respond as best as you can to the questions. You know, my small group, you know how sometimes we respond to the questions asked during a spiritual growth campaign? That's a lousy question. We really want to know about this question. We ask a different question because somebody's curious. I had a, a small group at a time where we had two non-Christians who were part of our small group. And they were willing to be participants. They would ask the best questions. They would engage in the, in the greatest ways because they just were like, what's this? And how does that work? And what's this? And you guys really believe that? You want to talk about a small group that grew like crazy because of one man's participation. All you have to do is come, and where else should you be able to bring your doubts? Where else should you be able to bring your questions? Where else should you be able to sit down and somebody knows you for who you really are and what you're really thinking and be able to ask that question? Maybe that's all you participate. Maybe you participate by bringing your gift. What do I mean by that? By bringing your abilities. You're good at organizing things, so you're like, hey, man, I, we'll, we'll set up a, a fishing thing, or we'll do this thing with the guys, or the girls can do that. Or maybe you're just good at cooking, so you, or good at shopping, so you just bring the snack, and you set it down. The option for you to participate does not simply have to be you bear all. In fact, I would recommend the bearing all part of life when you share all your mess. Be with somebody you know is extremely safe. But where else will you find somebody who's got a heart condition that loves Jesus, is after him, and wants to be like him, and is safe, except in a small group setting where you can really get engaged and get to know somebody? I want to encourage you, sometimes the greatest spiritual relationships form from that kind of a community. And I want to encourage you guys to be able to have that and grow in that. Use your gifts, ask good questions, respond as best you can, but at least respond. And so don't settle for just showing up. Join in. And finally, don't, don't settle for a secular community. But seek spiritual growth. You say, what? Yeah, yeah. The biggest excuse that I think we've heard is, hey, man, I got friends. I got a community. I really don't have time for another community in my life. And I understand that. Some of you guys are like, I got this baseball community. That's my main team I outreach to, or basketball, you name it. Some sports community. I outreach to that community. That's how I work things. This is great. Others of you are like, yeah, man, I'm really busy with my school community. My kids go to this place, and I've got these off. Well, you know, I'm really good with my with my, my group that I meet with weekly, and you've got some people maybe you play bridge with, or you're hanging out with, having cards with, or you do, you do fun things with, depending on where you're at in your life. Some of you just have work community, and you're like, that's enough for me? You don't understand my work community. But the reality is a lot of people said, I've got a community. I get it. But what your community is focused on is what you're becoming. What your community is focused on is what gets just drilled into your life. And so I want to encourage you, maybe it's time to take one of your, friend, your group of friends and just go, hey, let's be serious and focus for six weeks on spiritual growth. I mean, what would happen if a baseball team showed up and they were like, yeah, this is baseball season. We're all here for practice. But all the kids are like, well, we care about Pokemon Go, you know, all day long. And they were getting really good at sharing their Pokemon Go stuff and all this. Would those kids improve at baseball? No. To focus on baseball in a practice, and it makes you ready for the team. Now, if you show up to your small group and you're all kind of like, whatever, we're just hanging out and this is cool and this is that, you're not going to end up growing spiritually. 
See, the, the, there's supposed to be a spiritual fellowship. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it speaks it this way. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any, and this is the word koinonia, fellowship, participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... So there's a spiritual fellowship we're supposed to have. How? By com- well, complete Paul's joy by being of the same mind, the same love, having full accord in one mind. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Is that not community language? Each of you look not at your own interests only, but also the interests of others. So we gather together to focus and care about each other. And maybe your friends are all just hanging out and you guys are enjoying yourselves. Take an opportunity to turn this into a spiritual focus. And you go, well, how in the world am I going to do that? This simple tool here, this kit. Uh, Justin and his team has worked pretty hard. It's pretty awesome. This kit is, is set up just so you can take it, grab your friends, and start something. It's got, a, it's got a, a guide for your friends to go through so that matches with the DVDs that are in there. And then it gives you a leader's guide so you don't even have to think about it. And then what's even more awesome is he gave you like a pair of dice in here so that when you don't know what to do, you just go, God, I'm gonna roll these out. Six, you say I'm doing this. Seven, I'm not. I'm just kidding. They're not that way. This is... Uh, Intended for you to have some ability to do some like cool breakout times and stuff like that. But the reality, or, or play Farkle with two dice, but the reality is that you have all awesome opportunities to just grab this and start a group. It's not complicated. The team is there ready to help and assist you, the, the small groups team. And, and it may be that you just gather a group of ladies that are there with you in, in maybe in Trilogy if that's where you're living and, and you start a group. Or maybe it's an opportunity for you to grab that baseball team and the parents on that say, hey, we really want to focus also on, on growing this year and spiritually for six weeks. Would you mind joining with us? Just take, take your group and turn it just spiritually a little bit. In fact, um, you, you can see dividends that, that you just wouldn't realize with those simple things. I was just inviting your friends in. One of them, a lady named Cody in our, in our church last year, uh, invited her friends in with her husband and everything. They, they did this for six weeks and, and they said, man, this has been one of the most amazing growth things we've gone through. She was amazed by what had happened in that amount of time. And, and so it's just something simple. Don't be afraid to even try. You may be surprised who's willing to join you in these kind of conversations. But also, it's a warning to those of you who are in groups. Don't let your group become secular. I say, what, well, you know, the nightmare stories that are out there that I've heard through other churches and stuff is this small group started meeting, they did a spiritual growth campaign, and they kind of kept meeting, and they're like on a Thursday night, and they go, hey, it's Thursday night, we just finished a small group thing, that's great, let's, let's watch a football game this time, okay, just relax and have a fun activity. So they did that, and they came back the next week, and they did it again, and they came back the next week, and they did it again, and eventually football season ended, so they decided to watch Desperate Housewives together, and literally, it, it turned into this, they watched television shows and hung out, and that's all they did with their small group. And while that's an extreme case, it is not unlikely that some of, your team, some of your people in your group are wrestling with the fact that sometimes we can just show up and just start talking and God never gets brought up because you're just engaging in hanging out. So be, be careful. We want to encourage you guys to have spiritual growth. Focus like that baseball team. Give yourself six weeks. What could happen? I mean, how, we're willing to give more than that to so many other things. We're calling you form a small team for six weeks and give your all to it and see what God does. It, it can be a powerful, powerful thing. And so 
Don't settle for just letting your group become secular, but care about them. Continue to press that forward. Continue to, to grow your, your group and in your group. And so I want to paint a little bit for the, what this group can do. And it's ideal. And I want to paint this as an ideal. Because guess what? You know group does this perfectly. In fact, some groups do some things well and other groups do other things well. I've never had a small group that's done all of these things well perfectly. And so we need to understand, we want to aim at this ideal. We want to challenge each other these things, but they're not all perfect. And this isn't all of them. But I just need to say that on a side. If you note that you're failing in one of these areas and you don't know what to do, Seek out Justin's team. They've got a lot of great training and stuff, and they can help you out. But first one is I want you guys to consider encouraging your community when they're stuck. If you sit down and you realize, I'm stuck, admit it and ask them to help you out. Ask them to encourage you forward. Or vice versa. You see somebody else is stuck. They're just, they're sitting there. They're having a meltdown at level 10 right there in Disneyland. You pick them up and you help them out. And the reality is that some of us, we just need somebody to give us a little push and a little energy to get going again. We need to show up and give them a little prayer. Show up and give them a little encouragement. But that means we got to communicate with each other. Too often we can hide our problems and hide our spiritual place because somehow we think small groups are all about showing off how good we are. As if it's like a, a microcosm of our Facebook life or something. No. Our life should be authentic in these groups. Real where we're really struggling. Or we're really not going to grow. And the idea here is let us consider then how to stir up one another to love and good works. How to not let ourselves just settle, but to get in there and just keep getting it moving, waking it up, challenging ourselves forward. Yeah, even challenging ourselves to rest. Whatever it is, we need these pieces to come together so that we can continue forward. Another one is aid each other away from sin. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Look, when you reveal sin in your small group, if you're struggling and somebody, you've been caught or something shows up and you reveal that and you confess it to your small group, is your small group supposed to condemn you according to this verse? Well, come on, easy answer. Let me hear you. No. No, you're supposed to be restoring them. Lifting them up, caring about them. Well, how do I even do that? I don't know, that's scary. They're messed up. We're all messed up. I think that's where you start. You identify that you have problems too. You're willing to connect with them, pray with them, talk to them, allow them to admit where they're wrong and messed up, and go with them on that journey. Being careful, though, that others are helping you to keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted as well. And so we want to make sure that our small groups are there to say, dude, what is that mess in you? Now, let me just be honest. It is a difficult thing to have a group like this. If your group is willing to point out something in you, Michael, and you're willing to point out something in them, you need to be willing to receive it. And in a world of so easily offended right now, I want to encourage you that you need a group of people who can tell you anything and you not get offended. And that really should be your small group. It should be a people who care that you are to be like Jesus and they want to be like Jesus and we all want to be like Jesus together. So what they're doing is aiming you in that direction, not condemning you. Notice what the Proverbs say. They say, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. If all you got is people surrounding you going, you're awesome, you're great, you're amazing. You're, you're great. I just did this horrible thing. That's okay, it doesn't matter. Keep going, you're awesome. You should accept that. You should wonder. Who am I hanging around? Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The devil's the first one to tell you you're doing a great job. He's right there with you going, awesome. 
Keep going with that. Keep lying to that guy. It's okay. It's not going to matter. If it feels good, do it. Let it go. You know, that kind of stuff. Profuse are the kisses of me. But how amazing is it when somebody's willing to put your own relationship on the line to point out something in you in hopes that you could be a better person? Is that what we want? I mean, be honest with yourself. Any volunteers to stay in their sin? I mean, really, we just love it. I love how I feel after I yell at my family. That's a, yeah, woo! You know, I love, I love how I feel after I've just told everybody about this person and I realize I just got, oh, oh, well, I just spread gossip. I mean, we just love this stuff, right? No. If you're a Christian and there's sin in your life, you hate it. It bothers you. None of us enjoy being stuck in our sin because the Spirit of God will not let you. And so isn't it nice to have somebody else who's willing to come alongside of you and say, I see that too. Come on, let's get out of this mess. I want to help you however I can. Maybe you offer them your spiritual plan. Maybe you hand them over some opportunities so that you can grow and develop and they keep you accountable. You show up and you're kind of like nervous to show up one week because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. How good is that? That's what challenges us to move forward. That's what challenges us to continue on. And so I want to encourage you guys, not only that, help each other up. You know, there are cases where you're, you've got somebody in your small group whose life has been wiped out. Either financially or spiritually or medically, they've just been, they've been wiped out. Your small group should be able to surround and pick them up. Now, there are cases. And you're going like, our small group can't do that. Why? Because we're all wiped out. I mean, everybody has been just, just decimated. And there are cases like that. What do you do in those cases? Look around. There's a much larger group as well than your small group. Guys, your giving goes towards benevolence. You're, you have those of us in this group who can pray and care about you and step in in cases where you need it for counseling and other things. That is what the larger community is for when your small group can't sustain everything. They're not everything. They're not the whole church. And in those cases where just, there's just a, a decimation going on, it's really important we take that up and we continue to care at a larger level. So we need to support our small groups and each other as well. It doesn't stop us from being responsible at the larger group either. But I believe the ideal would be that we can jump in, lift each other up, care for each other. As Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if they fall, uh, two are better than one, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who's alone when he falls, he doesn't have another to lift him up. And so we want to be that other that gathers around, lifts up, and maybe all you can do is offer prayer in your presence, then offer it. Offer it as best as you can. And so, finally, celebrate success. Can I just say this? Too often, our small groups get so bent on the things we mess up on, we forget to celebrate when we do something right. You get through this small group thing and you're like, man, I prayed seven days this week. And people are like, yeah, you should have. That's how life should work. <laughs> oh, who are you, Mr. Spiritual Man now? No, no, we should be like, yeah, awesome. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Isn't that what it says? Let's celebrate together. Why not be excited that somebody got through the book of Leviticus? That's a feat. It's awesome when somebody gets moving forward and they're growing and, they, and you see them growing. We should celebrate that. You should just throw away that temptation to tell them, you know what? You know, that's going to end one day when, you, when all that fire burns. 
If we would all just get excited about the spiritual growth we see in each other and the development that we see in each other, we'd actually be a momentum builder for each other. And so why not have that kind of attitude amongst our small groups where we're like, you did this, that's awesome. But that means, we need, again, we need to communicate. What are our goals? What do we want to be spiritually? Where, do we, where are we stuck? And how can I take a step forward? And it also means you need to have a group because we can go further faster. As it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Gathered together, you guys are going to be far more effective growing spiritually than you are all by yourself. And yeah, you may not be in meltdown mode, but you don't know when meltdown mode's coming. You don't know when suddenly you're going to find yourself spiritually sitting there next to the bathrooms near the Mexican food restaurant, spiritually falling apart or with your head nodding because you're wiped out. I hope you have a community to call out to. And I hope you would call out to that community. And in that, we would gather together and they would be able to pick us up and walk us down just a little ways until we got our feet back under us and we could move forward as well. The way we're going to do that is we're going to encourage you guys to find a group if you don't have one. Go on out, to the, to out here into our patio area, the side doors, if everybody looked to your, to your right, out there in the exit sign. Those will be open at the end of service. We're going to pray, sing a song, and we're going to give you an opportunity to take on out there and find a group and join a group. If you have a group of friends but you don't have a, a direction, go grab a, go grab a box and just start it over these next six weeks. It's an awesome opportunity for you guys to become part of a community here so that somebody can pick you up. So let's pray and ask God's blessing on our choices. Lord God, thank you for the chance that we have to be a part of a community. And God, no, not every community is perfect. There's going to be a lot of things that may go wrong, but we thank you that we can have people around us. We ask that you bless our choices, enable us to see those and, and to join in rightly. And God, bless our small groups that they would grow towards that ideal that you would be exalted in all these pieces. And we, uh, we love you. We thank you for this uh, opportunity we have to grow over these next six weeks and really push ourselves. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.